Welcome to episode two of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about the release of the new Netflix movie El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, as well as Fortnite's viral season 10 black hole event. Now, I know on last week's episode, we talked about potentially discussing Ryan Johnson's new movie, Knives Out. Uh, that was actually a blunder on my part. I actually mess, messed up the release date for that movie. So what we have for you instead is something much more thrilling. Uh, we have an interview with one of my very close friends, Sam Stedman. Uh, Sam is a basically an old college friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, and someone who shares the same passion and gusto for movies and tv just like kyle and i do um so we thought it'd be a really cool idea to get her on um talk about her role at snapchat where she works in la and some of uh the movies that she's worked on and some of the studios that she's worked with in her role uh, at the company so without any further ado uh welcome to the show sam thanks for having me on guys i'm so happy to be here of course yeah thank you for for joining us um so for any listeners who might or probably aren't familiar with your role at Snapchat, could you explain a little bit about what you do on a daily basis for, for Snap? Yeah, for sure. So I work on the creative team at Snapchat, and I like to joke and basically say that any ads that you get served on Snapchat that you probably skip through, if they were tied <laughs> into like the studios, I helped ideate on those so maybe stop and watch them like I'd appreciate that thank you um, I also help develop the filters and lenses lenses are the things that go on your face everyone calls it a filter though so I guess it's like an interchangeable term we call filters the ones that are actually like when you take a photo and sometimes it's like a geotag it'll say like your city's name on it really pretty um, but I work on filters and lenses also for studios um, I love my job because I love movies, like Misha was saying, and I mean, one really cool part is that I get to actually work with all the studios in Hollywood, from the big ones, from Universal, to the small ones, like A24, so I get a grasp on everything that's happening in entertainment, um, what's upcoming, what's actually coming out in like a year or two, and I mean, the fangirl inside of me, I have to calm down sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> it can get obnoxious. Um, especially to my friends who I just rave to constantly and they probably are like just shut up but oh, we don't we yeah. don't mind <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you Misha um, yeah but yeah Ky Kyle's new to this so maybe by the end of this he'll be like wow that was a lot to take in but <laughs> yeah I absolutely love my job just because I, I get to work with movies every day it's the coolest thing ever yeah it sounds like a dream job um so working with all of these studios and with these different movies, has there been like a certain studio that you've really enjoyed working with or that you really gravitated towards? Yeah, um, I would love to say A24. Um, I would just love to say them because I love their films so much. Um, they're so original and that's what I really look for in a film, just something I haven't seen before. But unfortunately, they don't spend too much on Snapchat because they are a mini major, which is what we call them. Um, their budget just really doesn't align with Snapchat a lot because of the audience they're looking for. Obviously, Snapchat is a younger demo-based app, um, and a lot of their films that they're um, releasing, like Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler, they're not trying to get a 13-year-old to watch that. They're trying to get like a 47-year-old man. 
<laughs> sure. Um, so I wish I could work with them more, but my favorite actually has to be Orion. Um, Orion okay. is probably not one you hear of a lot. They're tied in with um, MGM, um, but they create some really awesome horror films and they spend a lot of money with the platform. So it's really fun to like really get to know their creative team and create some awesome work. Um, but I really enjoy Orion and Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers lets me go on their red carpet to actually interview the talent, which is in freaking insane. Yeah, <laughs> I, they let me do that. <laughs> I've I've gotten some glimpses, and I have to say, it is definitely insane that they let you near any sort of famous person. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> if you know me, you know that. I'm kind of a lot as a person and the fact that I can maintain my cool and not fangirl when I see these incredible people grace past me and give me the time of day, it has truly taught me a lot about myself and what I'm capable of. <laughs> um, but it's something I never thought I'd be doing that I get sure. to do. So, What was the last premiere that you went to? I went to It Chapter 2. Ooh, okay. Spooky. I, ooh, spooky season, <laughs> spice latte. Did, um, who did you interview yeah. there? So the two people that I was like most excited to interview, I actually didn't even get to interview. Um, sometimes I feel like <laughs> people think I'm cooler than what I am when I go to these because I think they think I just talk to every single person. Like we sit down and have cocktails. That is totally not the case. Um, each talent has a um, publicist. And this publicist is like their gatekeeper. So okay. honestly, I'm like buddy buddying with the publicist, like four people down before they even get to me. Like I'm, if it's a guy, I'm winking at him. I'm like, ah, that hey, makes sense. Like Jason yeah. Momoa totally wants to chat with Snapchat. Um, but honestly, like they're the ones that know the values of the talent. So like I've had a few instances where they tell me, oh well, my talent didn't even do social media, so instantly I'm out. Wow. Um, for, chap for it, though, Chapter 2, um, I was excited to talk to Bill Hader because, obviously, he's, like, you know, SNL royalty. I thought we'd awesome. get some funny stuff out of him. Well, it was awesome until he ghosted me on the carpet physically, like, <laughs> to my face. He did one of those, like, waving at me, like, oh, like, you're next, and then, like, kept on walking, and I was like, cool, awesome. <laughs> I love you, for sure. Um, so that's... Other person... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Um, the other person was Bill Skarsgård, who I have the fattest crush on because he is a little hottie toddy. And he was on the carpet and there were some fans um, like standing behind us that had won this like sweepstakes. And they were like, oh, my God, who is that? And I turn around. I'm like, that is Bill Skarsgård, <laughs> who is Pennywise. And everyone's like, I ain't scared of clowns no more. <laughs> So I haven't, I haven't seen a movie where besides it, where he's not covered in pounds of clown makeup. So how did you like, how did you come to start crushing on Bill Skarsgård? Um, it's because the Skarsgård family is like Hollywood royalty. If my sister listens to this and I know she will, she'll laugh because she'll be like, Sam, I'm the one that introduced you to them, which is totally true. So I give her all the credit. Um, the father, I'm blanking on his name. But the dad, Mr. Skarsgård, <laughs> he um, is in Chernobyl. 
Um, oh, okay. He's one yeah. of the main guys in Chernobyl. Oh, that's right. Okay, I didn't know that they were related. Yeah, they all act. And then Alex Starsgard was in um, Big Little Lies. Yeah. And I thought he was beautiful. So then my sister said, you should see the rest of the family. And, um, and then I stalked them. And I was very impressed with their genetics. Super cool. <laughs> So at these at these premieres, it sounds like there might be almost like a hierarchy of the people on the red carpet. Like, are there like seasoned pros who get maybe preferred treatment when it comes to talking to celebrities, or like certain outlets that you know maybe you or Snapchat aren't quite at the level that they are? Oh yeah, um, like there's E News, there's Variety, um, there's like these major pop culture outlets like Daily Mail, TMZ. Like they're all on the carpet, which is really cool for me because I like to actually watch them and see how they're interacting. And what they have on me is like they go to every carpet. So when they're meeting, like, for example, like, hmm, I'm trying to think of like someone that was applicable. Like if they're meeting Tom Hall, okay, they might have already seen him for an interview before when he just went to E News. Right. And so they're kind of like, oh, hey, like, so nice to see you again. Like, and they, like, <laughs> follow up on something like really stupid they're like oh my god so like is your brother all right okay that was terrible actually <laughs> that makes it sound like something something could have been wrong i don't know but they like have a filler to say almost and they start into the questions so it doesn't feel as awkward as me just being like oh hey tom big fan of your work um, yeah love come ya. talk to okay, me right so, yeah. <laughs> so i I really enjoy like seeing the big dogs, um, but they all get priority. But when it comes to like Snapchat, sometimes Twitter is on the carpet as well. Um, I we kind of get pushed to the side. Sure. Um, crap. Sorry, we're gonna edit this out, Kyle. Um, sorry, I just had a blank moment. Oh, good. No, you're fine. Do you want to roll into your question, Kyle? No. Oh, okay. So what I was going to ask, so when you're there representing Snapchat, what kind of content are you, is it like video content that you're curating and then you publish that uh, through one of Snapchat's like channels or what, what are you guys there to achieve, I guess? Yeah, so we found like this really cool way to gain more revenue um, with the studios. We have this one product called a story ad. Um, it's funny because no one ever refers to them as like this as a user right. but when you're on like the polished side of Snapchat where we have all of our custom shows and where you guys may watch like Sports Center or where you might read Daily Mail or like there are things that are customized to you that we call story ads depending on your OLCs what is an OLC that's a great question <laughs> I probably shouldn't have used the acronym if I don't know it but basically when you're using Snapchat on the back end, we're curating like your quote unquote lifestyle choices. Sure. So if you're watching a lot of sports, you're gonna start getting a lot of sports content. And like same as if there's trailers that are served to you as an ad and you watch them, then probably you'll get served more um, movie features and content. So I generate these stories with some other designers who actually help put it together since I'm not very well versed in actually editing down everything. Um, it's found on Snapchat with where these shows live and it, we title it as like take a sneak peek into the red premiere, um, sorry, the red carpet premiere of like IT Chapter 2. 
and they performed super well. And I don't think that was a shocker for us because I think everyone really enjoys to kind of see a peek behind the carpet totally. um, and the curtains. So yeah, they've been performing really well and trying to produce more of them, but they actually are a lot of work and I'm the only person who is doing them. So it is also difficult with time and resources on our end. So we're hoping to blow them up a little bit more in 2020. Um, selfishly, I hope that works as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a really awesome experience. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so are there any premieres that maybe you know you're going to be attending in the near future? or? Oh, man, there's one that I'm. if I say it out loud, I feel like it's not going to happen because I've been telling everyone <laughs> that I'm going and I'm not locked in for it. I just get a little cocky with it sometimes. Well, just go um, ahead and jinx yourself. Star Wars. Um, what? I freaking know. <laughs> if R2-D2 comes on the carpet to me, that would be like, I wouldn't even know what to say to him. Or C-3PO, because I mean, they actually bring the characters. Like, that's life the right there. That's like all you can ask for. I, I mean, honestly, you can kill me after that, and I'll die happy. Um... I'm not going to do but, that, but yeah, I, I shout out to all the people listening. <laughs> Please don't kill me. Um, but yeah, really, really exciting possible experience for me. And that's in December. I think it's December 16th, uh, the premiere in LA. It would be a huge cultural moment. Of course, it's the end of the saga. Um, so would be really awesome to be a part of. Yeah, no, totally. Super excited for Star Wars. Um, and I guess, so I kind of want to, do a little bit of a pivot here and get into obviously you're a huge fan of movies something that we bonded on or bonded through very early on in our friendship what if anything can you pinpoint like a movie or like a time in your life where you realize that you like loved not just like movies but like film or cinema i guess something a little deeper or like more complex yeah um you're probably gonna be annoyed with because I've told this story, I feel like, a million times to you or anyone that'll listen to me talk. Um, Jaws actually started okay. my love for cinema um, at a very young age. I mean, we all watch movies growing up as kids, but I was very enticed of the feeling of being scared. Um, I loved roller coasters, and I feel like that, that feeling you get in your stomach, you could also get from watching a movie. And I don't remember... You guys remember that Goosebumps show that was on TV? Yes. It was like Goosebumps After Dark. <laughs> it was really <laughs> weird. It had like a skeleton that was like the narrator of the whole entire show, and he'd wear like a sleeping cap. Anyway, I would get <laughs> so terrified from those short shows, and my mom would come in and she'd be like, wow, like you really like scary stuff. And I was like, yeah, I, I like the feeling I get in my stomach. And she goes, okay, well, I have a movie for you to watch. And we watched um, The Mummy together with Brandon oh, <laughs> yeah. Fraser. Um, beautiful man. Well, I don't know what happened to him. Um, George of the Jungle got the best of him. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so I watched that and I was like, wow, like, I was a little scared, but I was like, okay, like, what, what else do you got? And so my mom was like, well, I want to show you The Exorcist. But first, let's oh, do geez. Jaws. I know, Debbie really went in. Shout out to my mom. Um, so then we watched Jaws together. And I was glued to the TV. Like, 
my mom was giggling during it because now I mean it's so outdated like the technology but I felt like that shark was real and on a mission to kill people and I generated this idea like oh my gosh like I can never go in the ocean again because Jaws is out there and I had the most vivid dream that night that I was being eaten alive by a shark and I woke up sobbing and my mom had to sleep in my bed for like a week and she was like oh my god I ruined Sam's life I traumatized her and I was like no I just I love scary movies mom this was so awesome but I'm never going in the ocean again um we're gonna need a bigger bed (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yes uh going to need a bigger bed I love quote love that so much um so yeah I started my love for scary movies and once I started trying to like break down this fear of why I was so scared of Jaws I started running books from the library about how Jaws was made and enter Steven Spielberg Steven Spielberg about his whole world and his imagination and I really think it added to why I became so creative as a person because he was really seeing things in a, in a light that was different from how other people were telling a story and bringing it to the, to the silver screen and I was fascinated by him and I I really think Jaws like changed my whole life both in a way like career wise with being creative and just how I started loving movies appreciating yeah so it was a very influential moment in your life totally um, like have either of you guys seen a movie that like freaked you out so much like paralyzed you with fear yeah my uncle irresponsibly showed me the sixth sense when i was like five years old and i don't think i ever got over that but (laughs) um no i mean i guess i feel like very similarly a lot of spielberg's movies were things that kind of ignited that i guess passion for movies in me like i think some of the earliest movies i can remember were like the indiana jones movies um jurassic Mm -hmm. park jurassic park was a big one that me and my brother were really into um and I think he just is like such a good storyteller. Um, totally, yeah. Yeah, so it's not a surprise. No, I'm I'm with you. He's a genius, and I'm so jealous that my sister actually she went to USC and minored in film. And shout out to USC that didn't accept me. Uh, <laughs> but okay. I got to meet Bear down. Yeah, yeah, bear down, baby. Um, I mean, Alex would come in being like, yeah, like Steven taught a class today or like George Lucas actually stopped. Casual. I was like, okay, that is probably one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, But yeah, I would have loved to have like learned from them a little bit more. I guess there's still an opportunity. You never know. So yeah, just, yeah. So from your, um, I guess from your experience getting into the field that you work in now, if someone's listening and they're kind of interested in, wow, I'd really like to do that. Um, do you like? Do you have a road, like map of like how you got to where you are today? Like, what did you study in college? How did you get to do um, what you do now? Well, I studied marketing. Um, I was in the Eller College of Management with Misha. Very official. Um, <laughs> but I honestly wanted to do advertising. Um, we didn't really have an advertising major, so to, so to speak, um, more or less that I ever think I would be doing interviewing. So broadcasting and journalism, I never even thought of that school, which we had at U of A. Um, so I did marketing, um, was able to weasel into an advertising job, um, straight out of college. And I thought I was going to 
going to be the next Dawn Draper. Um, and then learned really quickly that at an advertising agency, it's all about seniority. Um, you can mm -hmm. be a really young person with fresh ideas, but if you don't have like 10 years under your belt, it's kind of like shut up and look pretty in the room, which I was not ready for. Like I was like, this is not a good use of my time. I know that I'm living, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything and it was killing me. Um, but with that, I mean, once you start with your first job, you can start making connections and building networks. And Snapchat actually came into the advertising agency for a presentation. And this might sound really silly, but at the end of the presentation, I was so awestruck. This was back in 2017. So like Snapchat was truly at its prime. Um, and I just went up to them and I took a leap of faith and I said, hey, I'm Sam Stedman, and I want to work for you guys. And the guy, his name was Cole. He was like, uh, don't you work here? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I do. But uh, I, uh, I'm interested in a job with you guys. And he was like, uh, okay, like weird flex. Um, but he was like, okay, well, we don't have anything open right now, but thanks for letting me know. Um, let me get your information. And then six months later, I got a job. So I know it sounds like really stupid, and this probably can't really help anyone, but if you want something, you can't hold back on it. Like, obviously I could have risked losing my job. He could have gone up to somebody I worked with after and been like, hey, that girl said that she wanted a job. Just letting you know. But I mean, I just made it apparent of what I wanted and my heart was telling me to do it. And I kind of live my life like a movie sometimes. I'm very much of like, everything happens for a reason. And there was a reason why at the end of literally itching to go up and tell them, hey, I'm ready to move to Snapchat. I'm ready to get a job, which you guys are looking for, but I'll be it. So take risks. It works. I mean, it worked for me. Um, yeah. And the same thing happened with the red carpets. I mean, I was in a meeting and <laughs> it was a total risk. And I was like, you know what we should do? We should have someone on the red carpet. And they were like, oh, do you guys do that? And I was like, yeah. My account executive looked at me like I was smoking something because she's like basically <laughs> thinking we've never done this. And I was like, yeah, we will get a team together. It'll be such a smooth process. And in my head, I'm like, we're making all this up, but this is okay. Um, and they were like, yeah, oh, okay, sure. Let's, let's do it. We've never done that. We'll try it out. And the first one was a huge success. So just take risks. If it doesn't feel right, doesn't feel comfortable, sometimes I think it can come off with the biggest payout. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thanks, Sam, uh, for the insight there. And I think it's a really great example of just the fact that you are a living example of it's not impossible to do the things that you love for a living. So um, thanks for thanks for being here today with me and Kyle. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Um, hopefully we can have you on the show again. Um, but uh, thanks for all the stories. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. This was so much fun. I love to talk about myself. <laughs> and for our next topic we had the pleasure of watching el camino um this is a breaking bad movie that prepared on netflix um this past friday so just as a disclaimer if you have not seen the breaking bad show um, or you're still watching it or you haven't even seen the movie yet this is going to involve some spoilers so just giving you a uh, forewarning now if you haven't seen the show don't really care about the movie just want to listen to us talk then that's perfectly fine too so with this movie this is pretty much picking up right where the final season of breaking bad the show ended um 
it kind of explains what kind of happened to Jesse. Um, maybe some questions that fans were wondering. Uh, maybe you had some lingering questions when the TV show ended. This movie um, seeks to maybe answer those questions. Um, so, Misha, I guess starting off, um, initial thoughts? Yeah, initial thoughts were, you know, as a Breaking Bad fan, I really just enjoyed seeing some familiar faces, uh, I guess an extension of the final season. Um, but there were some parts of the movie that just felt, I guess, a little stale. Um, you know, obviously Vince Gilligan is a master storyteller. Um, all of the aspects of his direction that you really come to know and love from the Breaking Bad series, they definitely shine through here. Um, you know, whether that's like his cinematography um, sort of the non-linear narrative storytelling style. Um, but to me, I couldn't help but feel the one thing that kind of kept popping in my head throughout the whole movie was that it felt a lot more like just two additional episodes of Breaking Bad the show rather than like Breaking Bad the movie. Right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, so for me, it's great. It's great to see Jesse again. Yes, Aaron Paul gives another Emmy-worthy performance in my mind, and and yes, there is a certain giddiness to being, you know, back in the throes of a story that we all thought was over. Yet the film doesn't hit home with the same power as the best of Breaking Bad as a TV show. And yeah, and, I agree. And I think part of this is due to the fact, like you said, you can't achieve in two hours what you can in ten hours, uh, for instance. But um, you know, but beyond that, if you asked anyone at the end of Breaking Bad to kind of pitch what they thought Jesse's logical next steps would be, most people probably concluded, you know, that he would scrape some money together before going to Ed, you know, the Disappearer and starting a new life. And um, that's exactly what happens in this movie. And there are definitely some obstacles and flashbacks along the way, all of which are entertaining. Um, but I think the conclusion is kind of a foregone one with you know with little surprises i guess which i mean unless you thought for a second brian cranston was going to turn up which i mean come on yeah no and, and in that regard like you're saying whether it's brian cranston or um like the garbage truck guy the magnets guy uh, or uh, badger and a bunch of jesse's friends popping up like it kind of checked off all the nostalgia boxes um almost to the point that it felt like a little preachy like in terms of jesse's redemption like there's a there's a moment when uh i forget what his other like skinny skinny pete um he says something to the effect of like oh you're my hero and like at that at that point it didn't really match kind of the gravity of the film up to that point it was kind of just like let's take turns like complimenting Jesse or like giving him our sympathy, which obviously, I mean, he went through some pretty terrible situations through the course of the last season and the beginning of this movie. But, um, it just felt like a nostalgia piece, I guess. Yeah. And I think El Camino by no means is, um, essential for the show or anything like that. I think kind of how we've been saying is it's just, it's nostalgic the fun from watching this comes from seeing uh, your favorite characters that you had watching the show. And I don't think it's really 
meant to resolve missing pieces that fans have kind of like been looming for over like the six years. Like, I don't think that was its main direction. Sure. I, I think, you know, that was kind of my thought as well, that some of it didn't seem essential or maybe it was a little unnecessary, but what, what El Camino does that the show never did was give Jesse a chance to make decisions for himself. Um, you know, throughout the series, you see him being manipulated, whether it's um, by Walter White or Heisenberg or, you know, his criminal friends or his, his parents or Gus or whoever it might be. He's kind of just like taken along for the ride. Um, and that's what kind of brings out that much sympathy from the audience. But I think, you know, this, this was really about his road to finding a new life to having some agency in decisions about his future um and that was really clear like they really didn't like mince words about it from the final scene when jesse has started this new life in alaska and he's driving it they have this flashback um in total like vince gilligan style of him driving through the desert with his ex-girlfriend jane um and he says something to the effect of how he's always admired the fact that she just like lets the universe take her wherever it wants and then she says something really powerful about like i've gone where the universe takes me my whole life it's better to make those decisions for yourself and this this movie was really about jesse finally doing what was best for himself and you know the road to tackling a lot of trauma and really like traumatic memories um and kind of kind of on that note what was interesting and artistic about the title is uh the Cam El Camino is, you know, obviously the the model of the truck that he escapes in, um, but in Spanish, El Camino is loosely interpreted as like the road or the path, um, and so you could really see this title playing into the fact that Jesse is on this path to sort of like a new life or or him having you know this direct agency over over his life. Yeah, and um, the movie again it, it was shot very well um i really enjoyed watching the movie it was pretty tense at some times i think um one of my favorite scenes in the movie was where he has a face-off between what he thinks is a pair of cops yeah um who he, you know he's cornered him in the crawl space of todd's house which of course he's there trying to find the money and it's set up so classically like how it would be in the breaking bad tv show where Jesse is inches away from being caught, you know, escape seems almost impossible. You know, how how is he gonna get out of this one? And Breaking Bad always brought high stakes, uh, which were you know painfully high, and I think that kind of why it made the scene so fun to watch for me. Um, just that that stress and sweat inducing, um, you know, waiting to see what's gonna happen. Totally, yeah. The the suspense was definitely. A major factor whether it was you know that scene which I, I do think you're right it was such a powerful scene and it is in such breaking bad style these like almost impossible scenarios that you've seen in the past like even in the show's pilot um like how is walt gonna escape from the desert in a an rv full of like dead drug dealers and he's like uh you know the the rv is like filled up with gas and stuff like that so yeah, I think that that situation was was really awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were definitely a lot of positives. Like, despite 
you know, our own, some of our own cr- critiques of the movie, uh, like Vince Gilligan's cinematography, uh, throughout the series, he, there are plenty of examples you can choose from of these like really interesting camera angles. Uh, like for instance, like looking up through a sheet of like crystal meth as they're like pouring the liquid and then like cooling it and crushing it, things like that. There was a really cool overhead shot uh, during that scene where Jesse's kind of like tearing Todd's apartment uh, to shreds, basically trying to look for the cash. And it's basically just like the floor plan of the apartment and this time lapse of Jesse like working his way through um, different various places he thought that Todd might have hid some money. And I thought that was just such like a classic Breaking Bad shot. Yeah, it was just such yeah. eye, ca- eye candy and um, it was really cool to see some of that. Um, and then cinematography also in a way that kind of allowed you to step into Jesse's shoes. There's a moment when he's at Skinny Pete's house and he wakes up in the morning and I think, was it like the sun was coming through the blinds and they mm-hmm. like did like a hard cut to Jesse's like cell and like making these this like feeling of claustrophobia and sort of this like almost kind of like post-traumatic stress effects of Jesse's captivity coming to life in like in like a real life setting or a casual setting that was really cool yeah and i um i wonder as i was watching i was thinking i wonder if it would have been a more interesting film had it picked up with jesse um already in alaska um sure but i guess maybe that's not what some people were hoping for they kind of the overall arching question was what happens to jesse and i think again like you said this kind of answers that question yeah absolutely and there was a there was another scene that was really powerful when they flash back to a time when todd basically unchained jesse and like let him out into public to help him with a job and in a very macabre kind of breaking bad fashion it was to help todd bury his like housekeeper who had discovered his dirty money mm-hmm. and there's a moment when they're in the desert and Todd asks Jesse to grab a pack of cigarettes from the glove compartment and there's a gun in in which is any any other situation you would have figured Jesse would use that gun on Todd he like can't bring himself to shoot his captor um and I thought that that was really interesting because later in the movie he almost hesitates uh with killing those fraud cops and he like it, it, those two scenes are around the same time and it's like from there on he knows he's like I can't like I need to start making decisions for my best interest and then you know you have the duel uh, at the welding company where he you know kills the, the cops and takes their money but um, I thought that gun was know, planted there by Todd I thought he told me he would get the, the smokes on on purpose to see how he would react but I don't think interesting. that was um, yeah I could, I could see that happening with you know Todd's kind of sociopathic personality mm-hmm. um, but to me that, that also felt a little bit like in the same way that Game of Thrones shows how Theon gets like broken by Ramsay you see how Jesse's captivity has had like a similar effect on him yeah can we talk about Todd's weight gain yeah that was definitely something I noticed it's if I, I mean, I understand this is six years. Um, so having people look exactly how they did six years ago might be a challenge. I mean, 
I noticed some things with Walter White when he showed up that didn't look exactly right, but, I mean, there has to be some sort of camera trick to hide an extra 20 pounds. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you can't necessarily force that upon somebody, I guess, if they're not willing to hit the gym and lose, <laughs> you know, a couple of pounds. Um, but I felt like not only Todd, but a few of the characters, there were moments, like, even in that opening scene with Todd, or with uh, Jesse and Mike Ehrmantraut, like, my first thought was, like, I can't believe it's back, but then I was like, there's something a little off about each of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that they're just not necessarily, and that happens with any project, I'm assuming, with six years apart, like, they're just not the same person that they were, um, you know, half of, half of a decade ago. Right, and I think um, that kind of goes and speaks the same for with Brock. Um, this movie touches that subject, and mm-hmm. um, and I think this movie needed to address Brock in some capacity. Um, his, you know, he was super important to Jesse's story arc in the Breaking Back TV show. Um, as you know, as a um, reminder, before Jesse was taken in by Uncle Jack's gang, Andrea and Brock were pretty much i would say the focal point of jesse's life and andrea's death you know at the hands of todd really proved devastating to jesse and you know he was forced to cook with brock's photograph still um, like in sight up on the little railing um and i think that jesse had to make some sort of amends with him after regaining his freedom mm-hmm. um in this movie and and of course vince gilligan i'm sure was restricted in having this kid who played a 10 year old six years ago come back as a you know mid to late teens that would have looked pretty ridiculous um but i think that the letter at the end i think it provides an emotional but pretty satisfying resolution to um jesse's almost paternal relationship with the kid yeah and like you're saying that wouldn't have made sense because narratively the movie takes place over maybe like at most a couple of weeks mm-hmm. after the events of the season six finale. Um, but, but yeah, I mean this definitely, I feel like closed all the loops. Like uh, to me, I felt like the last episode of breaking bad was like the perfect ending, but there were things that were unresolved. You know, people theorized about Walter White still being alive, or you kind of wonder about what happens to Brock or, um, you know, whoever it might be. And this just leaves without question, um, gives people, fans a lot of closure. Um, you know, they confirm Walter White's death at the point in the story that Jesse becomes free um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of close all these loops. And to the point that it makes you wonder, like if, because in the age of spinoffs and sequels and things like that, I, it feels hard for me to believe that they would do anything else. Um, you know, try to spin off any more stories out of the, out of this universe yeah and kind of talking about how this movie kind of paints jesse it's it's a hopeful movie for him it mm. really il- illustrates that he does have life left to live and and i really enjoyed the flashback um that kind of reaffirms walt's faith in jesse as a human being was mm. you know when they're in the cafe they're eating and um you know despite putting him down over you know bromine being found in pineapple um walt kind of paints kind of like this brighter future for jesse as you know a potential business student going to school and then 
you know, although enrolling into college and moving into business would probably be too you know, conspicuous um, for a man in, in hiding, um, I definitely think that the scene proves, you know, conclusively that Walt always saw a bright future for Jesse, and that's kind of nice as the movie ends. Yeah, and it was really about Jesse realizing that for himself. Um, and that's why I think that flashback to, you know, the quote from his girlfriend, Jane, was probably one of the, like, stronger themes in the movie. And, you know, I'm not usually a fan when, when like, directors have to come outright and basically, like, spoon-feed a, a movie's theme to an audience, but it felt really appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The final images of, or I guess the image of Jesse um, fulfilling Jane's wish and striking out to make his own luck is... Um, I think a lot more satisfying and hits on a high, higher emotional, emotional note, um, than, than waking up to Jane, you know, choking in a pool of her own vomit. Um, Agreed. Yeah. It leaves a more positive, I guess, lasting memory of her and the impact that she still has on Jesse to, uh, the day of, you know, the movie's current events. Mm Mm-hmm. But overall, um, you know, again, as a Breaking Bad fan, it was really enjoyable to watch. Um, although, you know, I have a few critiques, I think overall it was, it was really well done. Yeah, and I don't necessarily need them to, like you said, have in the world of spinoffs come out with something like Jesse takes on Alaska or something like that. I'm <laughs> sure. I think there was some mention of him going to Haynes. Um I don't know what Ed the Disappear gives you, but I mean, Jesse only asked for the 1800. Um, I guess that covered it, but he ended up finding that huge duffel bag. So he has some extra cash on him and how he spends it. I don't necessarily need to know, but of course it's a universe that you and I both enjoy and characters that we both enjoy. And um, I guess if they had to come out with something, I'd watch it. Same. And that brings episode two of the Coast to Coast podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as always, we're always interested in your feedback uh, on what you guys are interested in, any sort of topics you might like to hear about, uh, even the structure of the show. This is the first time we did uh, an in-person or person-to-person interview. Um, so always looking for thoughts from our audience. Yes, and of course, if you always want to stay updated with what we're doing, get the latest episodes. Um, please go ahead and follow us and subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening to. We're on Anchor. Um, this is where we are hosted. Thank you for um, our friends at Anchor. You can be found at anchor.fm slash coastpodcast. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, anywhere where you can find um, podcasts besides Apple Music. We're still working on them. Um, but yeah, with that... We'll talk at you next week.